0: Acts chapter 16, wonderful story we're going to dig into this morning. Let's begin reading with verse 16. Now it happened as we went to prayer, and we would be Paul, Luke, and his missionary compadres. And as we went to prayer, that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us who brought her master's much profit by fortune telling. It's interesting, isn't it, that several times in the book of Acts, They encounter fortune tellers, whether it's Simon the Sorcerer or Ilimus on the island of uh, um, Cyprus or this lady over here in Macedonia who is a fortune teller. And it's interesting that she was possessed by a demonic spirit called the spirit of Pythos or Python by which she told people's future. So uh, I just want to encourage you, don't let people tell your future. Because if you go to a palm reader, or you go to a psychic, or you look at horoscopes, or any of that kind of stuff, really, it's tapping into the spirit realm in a wrong way, and so that's why you should avoid. You should avoid the Ouija board as well. You know, the Ouija boards sold in WalMarts or whatever. You know, I knew a kid, I knew a, a a minister friend of mine one time who was called to pray for a young man who had been a high school student. And he had been playing the Ouija board. And he said Satan spoke to him somehow through the Ouija board and told him he was going to kill him on a certain day. So uh, my friend was a youth pastor. And he said, I was asked to come meet this guy. So I went to uh, our church and was talking to this kid in the foyer. And he said, uh, I was just talking to him and talking to him about the Lord. And he said, I took my Bible and just kind of said, you know, uh, Jesus is Lord, right? And he said, I just kind of put the Bible up against his chest. And when I did that... He spoke back and said, no, with this demonic voice. And uh, my friend was like, oh boy. (laughs) So they, they proceeded to cast a devil, cast a demon out of the boy. And he was gloriously born again and filled with the Holy Spirit right after that. But these kind of things become open doors for spirits. Okay, I was walking the streets of Richmond the other day and uh, richmond virginia and i passed by some tarot card readers you know pay five dollars and get your tarot card read and i thought it's not worth five dollars to open my life up to a horde of hell to come into my heart because you know what the devil doesn't know your future anyhow he knows your past quite well but he doesn't know your feet d- only one person holds your future and that's the lord himself amen Hallelujah. I didn't mean to preach a sermon on that, but I just, Bible's good, amen? When we read through the scripture, we get so much out of it. So this girl then followed Paul and us and cried out saying, these men are the servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. So the, the spirit is speaking correctly, but evidently it's in a mocking tone because there are spirits that will mock. And this she did for many days, but Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he, the spirit, came out of her that very hour. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, these men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And They teach customs which are not lawful for us being Romans to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. Now, this is is something. So, Paul is a Roman citizen, but they don't know it. He's not to be treated this way. And so they ripped their clothes off, and they began beating them. And the Bible says in verse 23, and when they had laid many stripes on them, or other versions say when they were severely beaten, they threw them into the prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet and stocks. So the inner prison was a place where there is poor ventilation, it was a place of darkness, and often there were uh, wooden stocks, you know, secured to the ground to where they would put the prisoners' feet in just for extra punishment and extra torture. And it was really a place where people of, of really harsh crimes or low status in society were thrown into, something that a Roman citizen should have never seen. Having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. In verse 25, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. No matter how dark it gets, no matter how badly people treat you or the devil tries to bully you around, God is always on your side. And even in the midst of life's most difficult circumstances, you still can have a praise. Hallelujah. I think it was last year when Pastor Randy Hill was with us for our camp meeting. He preached, you know, this, this passage of David being kicked out of the city of Jerusalem, and he had to go, and uh, he was really humiliated, and, and he uh, left the kingdom behind, basically, and crossed over the Kidron Valley and went over to the other side and sat down and wrote one of the Psalms, which was his song. And Randy said, no matter what you've been through, the devil can't take your song. Hallelujah. And he had a really great point with it. So how many of you have a song in your heart, what the Lord's done for you? Amen. About 30 of you. That's great. You all have a song in your heart if God's done something for you. And you can sing it in the midnight hour no matter what's going on or what's happening. You can always lay down and give God praise. You know, before I came to the Lord, I was listening to a certain rock band that really became known as this black death metal. And their lyrics were really occultic. And I remember uh, one of their, uh, I wasn't raised in church. I've been to church two times in my life only. And I remember laying in bed one night, and I was tormented by the lyrics of this song. It just kept pounding and pounding over in my head. And and even as someone who wasn't going to church, who wasn't saved, I remembered the words for some strange reason. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound That saved a wretch like me I once was lost but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. That's all I could remember of the song. But as soon as I started singing that, peace came over me, and I fell asleep. Isn't that awesome? That peace came over me, and I fell asleep. So you can sing in the midnight hour. You can give praises to God when the storms are the roughest or things coming against you, and God comes and will shake the foundation of the circumstances around you. Oh, hallelujah. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison... Okay, so get this picture, man. They're singing... And their praises are going above the ceiling in this inner prison, going up to the very throne room of God. God responds by not only just loosing their bands or bonds, but by loosing the earth. Hallelujah. He shakes the very foundation of the prison through an earthquake. And so when God comes to shake shake the place, Not only are Paul and Silas set free, but every other prisoner in the prison are set free. Every other one was set free because of the praise of these two men of God. So when you praise God and you're in the mix, everyone around you can be affected by that. You know, some people come to church and say, well, I just wish this church would get on fire. Everyone seems so dead to me. And you know, my response is, why don't you get on fire? Why don't you be the one giving praise to the Lord? Why don't you be the one that sparks it? Why don't you be the kindling wood? Why don't you be the one that comes in with a praise on your lips and you're ready to praise Him no matter what anybody else says? And by your praise, others will be encouraged. They'll be encouraged to give the Lord praise. Can somebody shout amen? So everyone's... everyone's Chains were loosed, verse 27, the keeper of the prison, then awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposed that, supposing that the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Because in Roman society, if, he, if all these prisoners would go free, then he was a dead man. And he knew he would face the death penalty. So he was ready to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice, Do yourself no harm. Now, I don't understand the logistics of everything that's working here, but the way I see it is, once the bondages or, or bonds were loosed, Paul and them didn't just run out. They stayed there. And then this guy, I don't know if they could see him or what, but he's ready to commit suicide. And Paul, with a loud voice, says, Don't harm yourself. We're all here. Don't harm yourself. We're all here. Then he called for a light. Ran in because it was so dark. He calls for a light and he runs into the inner chamber and he falls down before Paul and Silas. I think some translations say he goes prostrate and falls down before them. And he brought them out of the inner prison and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? How did he get this? How did he get that question? But you know, the term saved here is sozo, and it doesn't mean just, guys, how can I make it to heaven when I die? Because we often think in a modern Western world that salvation is about, I'm going to sign the rolls of a church book, and I'm going to heaven when I die. Thank you, Jesus. Now, that is important to go to heaven when you die. But salvation is for the here and now. Salvation is for the here and now. And this term sozo means to be healed and made whole. It means to be rescued. Or it means to be saved in a, in a spiritual sense. So I, I don't know that his question isn't, guys, how can I be saved from this predicament I'm in? Because often what leads people to the Lord is a bad situation in their lives. I mean, let's face it, often what leads people to the Lord is a bad situation in their lives, and they come because they're in trouble, and they start crying out for help. Amen? Amen. There was a young man who came to me years ago, and uh, he said, I want to meet with you sometime and talk to you. I, I'm having problems with my wife, and blah, 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 blah. And I thought, okay, just let me know, and we'll try to set something up. I saw him out in town one day. And then uh, the next time I saw him, he said, we won't be needing that meeting. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, I was ready to leave my wife. I was uh, struggling with addictions in my life. And I came to church one Sunday and heard you preach. So the bad situations pushed him to church. And he said, when I got there, you preached the gospel and you gave a salvation call at the end. I raised my hand. And I accepted the Lord into my life at the end of that service. And I felt like a thousand pounds had been lifted off my shoulders. And I walked out of the church free that day completely. Went back to my wife. The addictions broke off my life. And they're still married today. And he became a leader in our church. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody put your hands together and give the Lord a praise. How do I get out of this predicament? What must I do to be saved and rescued? And I love the response of the Apostle Paul. So they said, Believe, verse 31, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. All you have to do is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. You know, the gospel is really wrapped up in that one statement. First of all, it says, believe, the Greek term is pistuo, to have confidence in and to trust in. It doesn't say, believe about the Lord Jesus. He says, believe in the Lord Jesus. Believing about Him is knowing that He was a historical figure, and there's been some cool movies made about Him, and there's this thing called Chosen that everybody's watching. There's been many books written about him and he probably was a real historical figure and he impacted people's lives and he was a great teacher. That's believing about him. Believing in him is when you're saying, now I I recognize he is the Lord of all. He was God in flesh, the very Son of God, and he gave his life for me. And now I'm going to step forward and say, Lord, I surrender my life and I give it all to you. I'm going to trust in you, hope in you, believe in you. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Hallelujah. Believe, and believe is putting your confidence in. And he doesn't say, to be saved, you need to do these 15 things. I have a course for you. It's only $69.95. And if you take the course, I'll give you 12 steps to help you become a better jailer or I'll give you 12 steps to help you become saved. He doesn't do that. He says, believe and you shall be saved. Paul said in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, that we are justified by faith in Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, that we're saved by grace alone. We're saved by faith, by grace alone. It's not our works. It's not the things we bring to the table because we would be able to take credit for it if we did it. You know, somebody can tell you, hey, I stopped smoking. i tell you what I did, man. I threw them things in the garbage can, and I did this, and I did that. Or I got in shape. i tell you what I did, man. I went to the gym every day, and I started working. This is what I did, and I did, and I did. Man, I made it in life. I became a, a, a great leader, and this is what I did. You can't do that with salvation. You can't say anything. I did this. I did that. You can say, you know what? I was broken. I was addicted. I was lost. I was lost as a bat. I brought nothing to the table. God came and rescued me and resuscitated me back to spiritual life. All I brought was my broken life and a heart that believed and said yes. And then he came running and saved me. That's why the four and 20 elders in the book of Revelation cast their crowns at his feet because he's the only one worthy of. That we're not prancing into heaven saying, Lord, didn't I do a, a really awesome job down there? I pulled it off, Lord. I preached, I preached thousands of messages and traveled to my body was weary, my voice was worn out. Year after year I did it, Lord. Hallelujah. You know, you know you know how much of that I'm gonna brag about in heaven? Zero. am gonna I'm like H. Richard Hall used to say, I'm gonna make it in the gate and go. Oh, my God, I made it. That's awesome. I made it. Now, where's Jesus? I'm going to cast my crown at his feet and lay before him and say, Lord, thank you. It's only by your grace. It's only by your mercy I'm here. It's the cross that brought me here. It's a way of faith that brought me here. I couldn't save myself. I couldn't pull myself up by my own bootstraps. I couldn't do it. One man said, you trying to get to heaven by your own effort is like trying to climb a ladder of sand into the heavens. It's absolutely impossible. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that. That one came from heaven down to rescue me so I can follow him back up there. Come on, if you believe it, lift your hand and give him a shout in here this morning. Come on, lift your hand and give him a shout like you got something on the inside of you. Hallelujah. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you shall be saved. Not believing that he's one of 15 options. Not believing that he's just savior, but you don't have to take him as Lord. But believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he says a very exclusive thing here. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. I had a friend in college years ago who said, Hans, don't you think one day we're just going to end up in heaven, all of us? And there's going to be Buddha sitting there and Muhammad's going to be there. Jesus is going to be there. And just said, hey guys, you all made it. Just different ways up here. and But we all made it. I heard one guy went to this religious seminar one night. <laughs> And this one guy said, I used to live in Seattle, Washington, and I would look at the the Mount Rainier there, and, and there were many paths to the top, but all paths led to the top. And I thought, okay, that sounds so appealing to the flesh. It's so appealing to the compassion in humankind. But you know what? It's contrary to the words of Jesus Himself. If that's the way, then i got a problem with Jesus. If that's the way, then what Jesus said isn't truth. Jesus didn't say, I am one of them anyways to God. Choose me and I'll take you on a certain path. He didn't say that. He said, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. And he even gave a, a parable. He said, There are people coming in and trying to enter in to the sheepfold, climbing over the fence and coming in. He said, They're thieves and robbers. There's only one door to the, to the sheepfold. I am the door. Oh, hallelujah. There was only one door to the ark in Noah's time. Jesus, I believe it was prophetically speaking of Jesus. There's one way in, and his name is Jesus. Can somebody shout amen? He loves you more than you'll ever realize or more than you can experience. It's going to take eternity to to smooth it all out and let us experience it all. But he loves you more than anything, and he came and he gave everything for you so you could find that way that he's talking about. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Can you know that you're saved? Well, he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. He didn't say, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and we'll roll the dice and maybe you can make it. Or believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and maybe you're one of the chosen few. But it's just going to take eternity to figure that out. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and, 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 and make, like, like Muslims live in hope, you know, that when they die that they supposedly awaken and they meet a judge who determines whether they're able to go into the next level or not. Thank God we don't serve a God like that. Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall. You can know that you're born again. You can know that you have God in your heart. Why? Because He's going to come in and you're going to feel Him. And then you're going to have a life change that's going to happen. And you're going to be spiritually awakened. Because right now, if you're not living for the Lord, your spirit man is dead and out for the count. But when the Holy Ghost comes in through Jesus, you're resurrected to new life and the lights come on in the house. I described it as being in a dark room and someone walked over and flipped the light switch on and all the lights came on in the house and I was awakened. Talk about an awakening. People in Buddhism talk about, you know, going through the eightfold path and and pursuing this life of of meditation and hopefully in one day maybe you'll get to a level of awakening and one Buddhist uh, practitioner described that level of awakening and nirvana as nothingness. I thought, holy smoke, I've worked my whole life to meditate to get to nothingness. You know how awakening happens? Awakening's a Bible thing. Holy Ghost comes into your heart in an instant. Lights you up and resurrects your spirit man. And you come to life and now you see things differently, hear things differently, act differently. You're a different person in the same skin. Hallelujah. Why? Because he who is in Christ is a... New creation, old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. new. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved, and your household, and your household, and your household. The term in Greek is this term oikos, and you know, we think of household as meaning mom and dad and the kids, but oikos in the ancient Greek world was a lot larger it could be mom, dad, kids, cousins, grandparents, servants you have working in your house. All of the oikos can be. Is, Paul said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved, you and your household. So I'm telling you what, some of you need to, can, can we claim that and pray that? Yes. I get, you know, some people are saying, so, you can't, this, this is, no, that was for that time in the first century. We can't claim this promise and take it and extract it hermeneutically into the 21st century and try to apply it to our lives. Baloney. You just suck the Bible's power right out of it. Take that. Put it on your refrigerator. Post it on your mirror. Believe God that God's going to save everyone in your household. Kids are coming in. Grandparents coming in. Cousins coming in. The unbelieving spouse is coming in. They're already sanctified by your power. Everybody's coming in. Hallelujah. I've taken it. Everybody's coming in. My cousins and second cousins and third cousins twice removed down on Grandmama's side. All of them coming in. Why? Because I determined to serve the Lord. You make the difference, and it's going to affect everybody around you because of your desperate cry for the Lord to come and help. What must I do to be saved? He's getting ready to affect salvation for his whole household because he was bold enough to ask for help. Somebody put your hands together and give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. How many of you, I mean, how many of you have experienced this? You came to the Lord, and all of a sudden it shook up your family. It shook the family up. Some of them were like, what did they find? i got to get the... And some of them were like, "Like, you're like, Peter, stay away from me. Like he told Jesus. I mean, some of you, you know. But even those who want to stay away from you, you know what? When they get in trouble, they're going to remember your testimony and what happened to you. And don't be surprised if they start ringing your phone. Or maybe you're at work and people know you're not the same person you used to be. You're a different human being. And and even though they may not like you that much, when trouble comes, don't be surprised if they come saying, hey, could I talk to you about something? I'm going through something in my life. That gives you the golden, you got the golden Willy Wonka ticket. To just step through that door and say, man, let me tell you what happened to me. And you know what? God's no respecter of persons. What He does for one, He'll do for all. And if He did it for me, He certainly will do it for you. Come on, somebody. Put your hands together. Give the Lord a praise in here. Hallelujah. 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 Now, here's what happens. I want you to notice what happens. I I never noticed this in this text before, and I think it's really awesome. Verse uh, 33, And He took them... No, no, verse 31. They said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. So one of two things are happening here. Either he takes Paul and Silas out of the inner prison and takes them home with him. Or he brings his household to the prison so these guys can preach to him. And they took time and broke it down, I think, what it means to follow Jesus to these Gentiles broke it down, and preached the gospel to them. And then everyone got saved. Everyone got saved. And then it says in verse 33, and He took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes, and immediately He and all of His family were baptized. There's a water theme. He's washing them with water and then they're going to get baptized in water. And when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them. And he rejoiced having believed in God with all his household. So it's so cool. What God did here for this man, he gave him an opportunity to get saved and he gets saved. Everybody in his household gets to hear the gospel. They all get baptized in water. And the next thing we see is this guy's preparing dinner for for the apostles. Now, I don't know if he was one of the guys beating the apostles, or they just turned them over to him once they were beaten. But in Roman culture, the jailers and the chief jailers were known as cruel people. I mean, they were known as cruel people. So I'm just going to take culture and assume that this guy was a cruel-hearted guy. And so he's a cruel-hearted guy. The apostles have been beaten severely. And then he faces a suicide situation. He gets an opportunity to talk to the apostles. He gets saved. He and his whole household get saved. So now we shift from a man who is more than likely a cruel treater of humankind to a man who's now washing and nursing the wounds of the apostles. A guy who was a keeper of criminals to now he's setting these men at his table in his kitchen providing food for them. A man who had no hope and was at the point of suicide is now rejoicing greatly, the Bible says. Why? Because that's the God I serve and that's the kind of stuff he does in our lives. He takes a mic like in the testimony this morning and turns him from this rebellious youth into a teacher of his word. He takes the addict and makes him clean. He takes the sick and makes him whole. He takes the broken and pieces them together. He calls you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He calls you out of the miry clay puts you on a rock to stay. He takes you from depression and anxiety to wholeness and soundness of mind. That's the God I serve. Hallelujah. He takes you demon and get you delivered and filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. He takes somebody who had no joy and lays the joy by megatons on their life and in their heart. Now you got a smile the world can't wipe away. Now you're somebody that you didn't used to be. Now depression has no authority over you. Sickness and disease has no authority of you. The bondages of your past have no authority to you. You are free. You are free. Who the sun sets free he is free indeed. You are clean. You are delivered. You're saved. You're sanctified. You're set apart. Now you're called holy. He's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light as a new creation, as a royal priesthood, as a holy nation, as a peculiar people. And now you've got a reason to praise. And he brought you out so that you might show forth his praises. Come on somebody. Give Give him a shout in here. Put your hands together and give him a praise. Hey, hallelujah. Come on, give him a praise this morning. Hey, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. There are going to be generations affected by your obedience to God. Your obedience to God is going to affect many generations. If Jesus tarries, there are going to be grandkids talking about your decision to serve the Lord. If Jesus tarries, there's going to be great grandkids. I told it last week, I want them to be talking about me. Great, great, great Grandpa Hans. God really brought him out. He served the Lord. He forced his kids to go to church. They serve the Lord. They forced their kids to go to church. They serve the Lord. Everybody got saved. Hallelujah. You know, something interesting happened in my my mom's family, and that is uh, my my grandma and grandpa, my mom's side, were real strong believers. And uh, they prayed for all of us. And the reason I'm here, you can't convince me otherwise. The reason I'm standing here is because of their prayers. And... One of my aunts started going to church. And then God came and visited me. And I remember uh, my mom told my granddad about it, that I'd started reading the Bible. And I'd started praying. And I remember being in a living room one day with my granddad. And he looked at me and he said, "Uh, your mom says you're praying now. You're reading your Bible. And I said, yes, sir. And I had to leave the room. So much conviction was on me. I was going to break down and just cry right in front of him. That's what was happening. God was wrecking me. Thank God I got wrecked. He was wrecking me. I gave my heart to the Lord and one month later my mom came and gave her heart to the Lord. My uncles were going to church. One of them we baptized in our church. And then some of the cousins started coming in and getting saved. God came and didn't just say, well, pick out one. He came and started working through the whole family. I saw it with you guys. I remember years ago, y'all would come. You and Brother Bobby D would come. And often by yourself or maybe with, uh, with Karen or one of the kids. Then everybody started getting saved. Then before long, they took up the whole front row in church. I'm like, I like this. Hallelujah. Because it's it's hard to argue with that whole front row taken up because the whole family got saved. Come on. Amen. Hallelujah. So what happens here? They brought him out into his house, set food before them, and he rejoiced. I want to encourage you with some things here before before we pray. It's really profound how household salvation comes in the Scriptures. I want to show you. In Joshua chapter 6, verse 23, there had been one lady who had been welcoming to some Jewish spies who went into the city of Jericho before the Israelites attacked Jericho. Her name was Rahab. She was a prostitute. But when the Israelites came in, they they promised her, they said, we'll be good to you and we'll save you. And so when they came in, here was the instruction, Joshua 6, 23. The young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers, and all that she had. Because when the Lord comes to save, He doesn't just say, we're going to pick out this one. I'm saving everybody. I'm coming and redeeming everybody. So they brought out all her relatives and left them outside the camp of Israel. In the book of Acts, an angel appears to a Gentile soldier named Cornelius. And he says, the angel says, send some men down to Joppa and get a guy named Peter who will come and preach to you. And that angel said, he will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. So when Peter came and preached the gospel that day, Everybody there got saved and baptized. And it's interesting, you know, some argue for infant baptism based upon the household, salve- the household baptisms in the book of Acts. But I've never really dug down into this and seen how much the word of the Lord had to be heard. Because in Cornelius' house, Peter preached the gospel and all who heard were baptized. And then Paul goes to the Philippian jailer's family and all who heard were baptized. I believe in a believer's baptism. You hear the word and you're converted on the inside and then you're baptized based upon your confession of faith in Jesus. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1.16, he said, I did baptize also the household of Stephanus, Not just I baptized Stephanus, but I baptized the household of Stephanus." So when they showed up, it's like everybody's getting it. That's what happens when God... That's the power of a changed life. It changes families. You know, I preached this back some time ago from the Old Testament about how Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it was about a blessing that was to go down through the familial lines. Even Deuteronomy chapter 6 that we quote sometimes when we dedicate kids to the Lord is that this shall be told at your house. This shall be in the hearing of your kids. You'll talk about it when you get up. You'll talk about it when you're on the road. You'll talk about it before you go to bed at night. Let them know what I have done. Even as I'm teaching through the book of Exodus in the midweek service right now, we're talking about this perpetual feast of Passover. Let it be known forever. He said this will be a statute forever in your generations that you'll talk about what the Lord has done. We can go higher and learn better greater depths of faith and greater knowledge of the Bible and theology. But we always have to occasionally look back and say I remember what you did that's why they had the festivals you're going to look back at least one time a year and remember what I did and how I brought you out it has to remain fresh in the hearing of your kids and fresh in the hearing of your grandkids they must know that my power is real so that when they face their giants when they face their Red Sea moments when they encounter their pharaohs they're going to know that they're serving the same God that did it for grandkids the same God that did it for mom and dad are doing it and for me and is in my life. Come on. Some of y'all have never experienced the power of God, but you know your grandparents did. You know your mom and dad did. Well, listen, God has no grandchildren. You're up to bat next. It's your turn. The ball's in your court. You be the one that serves the Lord. You be the one that prays through to the Holy Ghost. You be the one that, that meets out the path for your kids to follow. You be the one that says, God, what must I do to be saved, I'm in 100%. Come and shake my life and shake my family in Jesus' name. Give the Lord a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Come on, give him a shout of praise. Hallelujah. You know one thing? I'm going to close and we're going to pray, but you know one thing that comes with salvation? Joy. They greatly rejoiced. There was an old uh, Pentecostal preacher in Kentucky. He used to testify, and I heard him one night in a a little church in Kentucky, and he said, "I tell you what. When I got born again, he said even the dog knew it. He said because I used to come up on the porch and kick that dog out of my way after I got saved. I came up on the porch, and even the dog knew I got saved." everybody's going to know you're born again. If you truly got Jesus on the inside, He's going to be working on the outside, and He's going to turn that frown into a smile. I don't understand how you can be a depressed, frowning Christian. I mean, I know people have to wrestle with certain depression, and there's, there's things you go through, and I'm not downing that. But I'm just saying, how can you not have joy with what the Lord's done in your life? And I'm not, just, I'm not just downing you and calling you out, but I'm going to call you out. I see people come sometimes and they'll worship, and the worship team's up here just getting it. Like, and I look back in the crowd and it's. I'm like, I wish I had a button underneath the table. That was just enough a shot of electricity to certain chairs. You say, you ain't got no joy. I'm just joking. Y'all know that, right? I'm just having fun right now. Come on, this is the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said unto me. Come on, how many were glad when you woke up this morning that you got to worship him like this with your brothers and sisters? I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. This is a day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Come on, somebody get happy right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Give him a shout and get a little bit of joy in your life. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. This is medical science. When you smile, your brain releases tiny molecules called neuropeptides to help fight off stress. So, so just by smiling, you can combat stress. So I know it's super awkward, but how about looking around and just smiling at somebody next to you right now? Then other neurotransmitters like dopamine, serotonin, and endorphins come into play, and the endorphins acts, act as a mild pain reliever. And the serotonin is, a, is an antidepressant. So, okay, one study even suggests that smiling can help us recover faster from stress and reduce our heart rate. In fact, it might be worth your while to fake a smile and see where it gets you. There's been some evidence that forcing a smile can bring you a boost in your mood and happiness. So for those of you who can't find it within you to muster up a smile, how about just fake one right now? And look at the other person next to you and just kind of... I mean, let's try it. Not the nacho libre I'm talking. Turn around to somebody one more time and just say, smile, my friend. I feel the pain leaving right now. (laughs) I feel the depression going right now. I feel the joy coming. Come on, joy, 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 joy. Holy Ghost, joy, 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 joy. You're saved. You need to feel like it. If you're delivered, you need to feel like it. Hallelujah. Come on, if the Holy Ghost is in you, you need to feel like it. Hallelujah. Come on, just take about 60 seconds and give him a praise break right now. Hey guys, thanks so much for watching and listening to the podcast. And I hope these sermons have been a great blessing and source of encouragement to your life. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing today, Jesus is the answer. I can tell you, He is the answer for your life. I'd love to pray with you before we leave here. So if you never accepted Christ into your life, or if you just have a need in your life, let's lift it up to the Lord right now. Come on, pray with me. Lord Jesus, wash me from all sin. I accept you into my life. I repent of all sin, and I place you on the throne seat of my heart. Lord, I pray right now, you minister to each and every one who just prayed that short prayer with me. Whatever situation they're facing, give them grace right now. Give them the power they need to get through it, Lord. Give miracle signs and wonders today, Lord, to those listening in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We declare it done in Jesus' name. Love you guys. Thank you for tuning in and listening and watching us.